Masechus Shabbos Perak Tes Mishnah Basin for Perak Tes Mishnah Hey. Although the main subject of the previous Perak and the next two Prakim is the Malach of carrying on Shabbos and the different sizes, the different amounts of something which one has to carry in order to be Chayev, the Mishnah has gone slightly sidetracked to discuss different examples of Asmachtas. An Asmachta is a hint in the Torah or in Nach for a particular law, and often even a law which is Midrabbanon will have an Asmachta since this is not the actual source for the law but it's rather a hint or a reference to that law. So the next Kappa Mishnahs will be jumping from one topic to the next very quickly. And then for the second half of the parak, we'll go back to the discussion of how much one needs to carry of different items to be chayev for carrying on Shabbos. Now the halach is that in general, for an item to be able to become tomei, it has to be able to become tomei. And in general, this is defined by something which can hold things. So if it's flat, then it can't become tomei. But if it's something like a cup which holds things, then it can become tomei. Of course, each material has different laws and different details. That is the general law. Now, based on this, one would think that a ship, which can certainly hold things, should be able to become Tomei. However, there is another halacha that something which holds more than 40 sa'ah, which is quite a large volume, since that is not able to be carried, it cannot become Tomei. However, as we said, every material has different laws when it comes to Tumah. And this rule does not generally apply to things made out of earthenware. Things made out of earthenware, even if they are more than 40 sa'ah, can still become Tomei. Now the Mishnah says, From where do we know that every kind of ship is pure? And cannot become Tomei, so that would include even earthenware ships, and even ships which are very small and don't contain 40 sa'ah. So how do we know that there's a special law with regards to ships? Shenema, as the Pesach says, Derech Onyob Lev Yom. The way of a ship is in the heart of the sea. Now obviously the way of a ship is in the sea. That's where a ship belongs, that's where a ship sits all day long. We don't need a Pesach to tell us that. Rather, what is the Pesach coming to teach us? It is coming to compare the ship to the sea. Just like the sea cannot become Tomei, in fact, quite the opposite, the sea is actually a mikvah which purifies other things. But certainly it cannot become tome since it is not a utensil. So too teaches the Mishnah, based on this asmachta, a ship can never become tome. Continues the Mishnah, now we're going to be discussing the law of Kilayim. Kilayim refers to the prohibition of planting two different species together as one. And Midrabbonah one is not even allowed to plant two different species near to each other because it appears as if you are planting them together as one. However, the Mishnahs and Maseches Kilayim teach an exception to this, and that is known as Rosh Tur. And this refers to the law that although in general one is not allowed to plant two different patches of two different species next to each other, if the corner of one patch is touching the other patch, that's the Rosh Tur, then it is permitted. And so the Mishnah Maseches Kilayim describes this as a situation where you have a small area of just 6 by 6 tefachim, and although in general one needs to leave a gap of at least 6 tefachim between each species, in this small square of 6 by 6 tefachim, one is allowed to plant no less than 5 different species. How so? By using the mechanism of Rosh Tur. And if you look at the two diagrams for this Mishnah, there are two ways that this can be planted. And the Mishnah actually explains, From where do we have a hint, an asmachta, for a patch of 6x6 tefachim, the one we plant five different types of seeds 
in that patch? And how would that be done? Four types of species on the four directions of the patch. And either that means like the first diagram, that each of the sides of the patches contains the different types of species, but the corners are left unplanted, so that each species only touches the corner of the other one, which is on the next side. Or another way that it could be planted is if the four corners are planted with different species. And then the middle part of each side is left unplanted. But then the fifth species is planted in the middle. And again, only the corners of this fifth species would be touching any of the other species. So where do we have an asmachta for this case? Shanema, as the Pasuk says, because like the ground it will bring out its vegetation, and like a garden it will grow its seeds. And if you'll notice, there are four different words describing growing and plants in the Pasuk, and one of those four words is which means it's seeds in the plural, which means that includes two, so the Mishnah notes it doesn't say it's seed in the singular, rather it's seeds in the plural, and so together with the words and and that gives us five words which all mean basically the same thing, and all refer to plants growing, and so that is an asmachta for this law that five different types of species can be planted in this small patch. The halach is that when a man and his wife have relations together, that which exits the man's body makes him and his wife tome. Furthermore, even if she goes to the mikveh right after they have relations, so she purifies herself, but then a day later she finds some of that which exited her husband's body on her body. If that is the case, then she becomes Tomei again. However, there is a limit for how long after the relations this would make her Tomei. And that limit is three days. So if she finds this on her body, let's say a week later, then it would not make her Tomei. Now there is a discussion in Masech's Mikvotos as to whether this is three exact days, or parts of three days, but be it as it may, the Mishnah asks, From where do we know that a woman who still has remnants from the relations on the third day after the relations, Shehi Tomeya, that she is Tomei, but no longer after the third day? Shinem, as the Pasuk says, before the Torah was given at Har Sinai, Hashem commanded, You should be prepared for three days and separate from your wives for three days before Matan Torah, before the Torah was given. So why was it three days? The answer is because they had to make sure that everyone would be Tahar when the Torah was given. Alright, continues the Mishnah, From where do we know that one can bar the baby boy who just had a bris in hot or warm water, by on the third day after the Rismila, which falls on Shabbos, meaning from where do we know that even on the third day after the Rismila, it is still considered a matter of life and death to wash the baby in warm water, and it would therefore be permitted to heat up water even on Shabbos, because of the rule that a manner of life and death, when there is a danger of life at stake, one is allowed to violate Shabbos. Shalem, as the Pazak says, in Parashat Sayishlach, in the story where Shimon and Levi got all the people of Shechem to have a brismila, and then they attacked them. So when did they attack them? When did they find the opportune moment when the people were in such pain that Shimon and Levi could overcome them easily? It was on the third day after they had the brismila, when they were in pain, they were still in a very similar or the same degree of pain on the third day as they were on the first and second day. And, we, and so we see from there that it is still considered a matter of life and death on the third day, and therefore you can violate Shabbos 
to take care of the baby in that way. Alright, and the third asmachta of our Mishnah is From where do we know that one ties a string which is read on the head of the goat which is sent off the cliff on Yom Kippur? And what would happen as this goat was being thrown off the cliff in order to atone for the sins of the Jewish people? As it fell down the cliff, the red string was actually a strand of wool. It would turn white, and this was a sign that the sins would be forgiven. Shenem, as the Pazuk says, If your sins will be like red, they'll whiten like snow. And this is an asmachta for that custom on Yom Kippur. The mission now brings another asmachta regarding Yom Kippur. And the Torah commands, You shall afflict your souls on Yom Kippur. And to fulfill this, there are five things which are forbidden on Yom Kippur. Eating, drinking, rubbing things like oil on one's body, wearing shoes, and having marital relations. According to many, only eating and drinking are forbidden mid Araisa. But be it as it may, the Mishnah wants to know the source for the prohibition of rubbing oil on one's body on Shabbos. From where do we know that anointing is forbidden just like drinking is forbidden on Yom Kippur? Even though the following is not a proof for the matter, this posse does not prove the law, however, it's a remembrance and a sort of hint to the law, and this is actually the phrase we had back at the end of the previous parak, which led us to bring all of these asmachtas. So the mission goes back to this expression of on the last asmachta which the mission is going to bring. So what is the source? Shenema, as the posse says, it came into him like water, and into his bones like oil. So we see that water, which is generally drunk, is compared to oil, which is generally absorbed by the body, by rubbing onto the body. And we learn from there that it is forbidden to rub oil on one's body on Yom Kippur. Mishnah, we now return to the main subject of these few prokim, which is really one long list of different items and how much of that item one needs to carry out into a Rosh or from one domain into another, on Shabbos. So the Mishnah says, Hamitzi eats him, one who carries out wood. The amount is the amount of wood which is needed, to make a fire to cook an easy egg. And as we learned in the previous parak, when discussing how much of a reed one needs to carry out to be chayev, the easiest and quickest egg to cook is a chicken's egg, which is mixed with oil. And the truth is we're not even referring to cooking an entire egg, rather the size of a dried fig of egg. So that amount of a chicken's egg mixed with oil, which cooks very fast, the amount of wood needed to cook that is the amount one will be for carrying. Tavolin, spices, it's in order to spice up an easy egg, such an egg like a chicken's egg, which doesn't need a lot of spices, that is what we use to measure. And says the Mishnah, it's different types of spices would combine together, because since often you would add different spices to an egg, so they would combine to make that minimum amount to be chayev on Shabbos. Klipir geizin, the shells of nuts. Klipir minim, the shells of pomegranates. Istis, this is a plant used for dye, usually blue dye or pua. This is another type of plant which produces red dye. The amount is enough to dye the small piece of cloth at the top of a svacha, which was the netting which many women would wear of their hair. So in the middle of that netting, to make it look a little bit nice, there was a coloured piece of cloth, so enough dye to colour that small piece of cloth. That would make one chayev for carrying out that dyeing ingredient on Shabbos.
Next, says the Mishnah, things which were used for cleaning or for removing stains from different things, such as mirag lime, urine, that was often rubbed in stains to remove them, neser, virus. These are different types of herbs and vegetables which were used for cleaning. They could produce a solution which was used for cleaning, kamunyo eshlog. If one carries out enough, cotton to wash that small piece of cloth on top of the netting which was worn on top of women's hair, then he would be chayev, Rabbi Yehuda Omer. Rabbi Yehuda argues and he says, it's a different amount, it's actually the amount to pass over a stain which is found on a cloth, and if that stain is the color of blood, certain blood which comes out of a woman is tome, so we need to determine whether this blood was tome blood, whether it's even blood at all. So they would pass over that cloth lots of different cleaning agents, like these five things, and if the stain still wasn't removed, then they would know that it wasn't blood, because blood would be removed by these things. Be it as it may, Rabbi Huda says that if you take out enough of those cleaning herbs, those cleaning vegetables, to pass over a stain, to determine whether it is blood or not, that is the amount for which you would be chayef for carrying on Shabbos.